This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. In studio with us this morning, we have Wilma McLean and Margaret McKinley, and we'll be talking about the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County. Well, how are both of y'all doing this morning? Great, good. Tell us a little bit about the African American Heritage Society and how that all started. All right. The African American Heritage Society was started in 2014 by founders uh, George, Dr. George Smith. He is deceased now. Um, Shannon Blackman, he is deceased as well. And Mary Watkins, who is still living, and our president. And it was started simply to make sure that the mission of the society to discover, preserve, teach, and share the heritage and history of African Americans in Rutherford County, Tennessee. So we um, unearthed or discovered and then highlighted and publicized facts about uh, these individuals that were not um, readily known. Miss McKinley, are you from Rutherford County? Have you grown up here? I am. So you remember years and years past, so you're able to really help document and tell stories of Rutherford County and the growth of Rutherford County. Correct. And we also reach out to older citizens than some of us, and they have very interesting stories to tell. And we tape those and save them so they can be listened to later. I had the opportunity to interview uh, Miss Olivia Woods before she passed, and that was just very interesting. You know, whenever you have oral history, it's always fascinating because you're getting a firsthand look at what somebody recalls of what occurred in years past. What what are some of the things that you remember maybe as a child growing up here in Rutherford County? Well, interesting that you should ask that because our next project, we have gone around and identified um, places where we have placed Tennessee markers. And so our next project is to identify the Black Business District here in Murfreesboro. And it is was called the Mink Slide. We're going to put a marker there of some kind. And as a little girl, I remember that um, being where we congregated on weekend days on the side of the square where everybody gathered. I've heard of the mink slide, but what is that? It was several businesses, like it was an undertaker, a parlor, um, a barber shop, a grocery shop, a place where the farmers came and traded their wares, but it was just for the African-American side of the community. When you were younger, was there a division of black versus white where some could go into this store, some couldn't? I mean, was it like that here locally? Yes, it was. I think it was like that nationwide, not just in Murfreesboro. So, yeah, there were places that you could go and places that you knew not to go. And then some stores you went in and you still had to wait your turn. So, yeah. So when you say you had to wait your turn... Uh Did they look down on those who were of color? How were they treated? I don't know that it's necessarily an issue of looking down, but you were not served in front of a citizen who was Anglo-Saxon. So once all of those uh, citizens were served and bought their wares and made their purchases, then it was your turn. I think it's really hard for people who... I'd say 50 or younger to even understand. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it's just so far from what is 
today. Exactly, exactly. And and we have to make sure that we continue because there's probably pockets of places that I may be a little reluctant. But my mother always said, you know, they have to treat you nice for you to give them your money. So if they don't, then you find somewhere else to shop. And I've always believed that and, and taught my children the same. Were there times where you would turn around and, and walk out of a store? Or maybe your mom would turn around and walk out of a store? Yeah, that has, that has happened, yeah. What did you do as a child when that occurred? Because I'm sure you asked questions like, what, yeah. what are you doing, Mom? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, question. I, I never will forget one of the places that was uh, segregated like that was a Dairy Queen on Broad Street, I think it is. And you had to go around to the back <laughs> of the store to get ice cream. And my mother wouldn't let me go down there and get it. And I slipped off one day and went down there and she caught me. And it was a big, big to do at our house. I don't think I went back again after that, <laughs> however. <laughs> but that's just the way it was. <laughs> Were there times that you, maybe friends or, or maybe friends of your mom, would, would go against what you know, you were told you were supposed to do and, and sure. did the opposite. For sure, for sure. Like the colored water fountain. She would always um, carry a cup, so that a, a collapsible cup, so that we would not have to circle around and go to the colored water fountain. I always thought that was funny. And what did others do whenever, for example, when you went into a business where you knew you were going to be treated different or you knew you were going to have to wait longer in line, what did those around you do whenever that happened? Well, it depended on the persons. Uh, some of the uh, patrons were polite and, and said, well, you know, go ahead. And, and others would, you know, stand their ground. So, And you just made the decision. If you wanted bad enough that you needed to wait, then you would. But if you didn't, you would come back at a different time or go somewhere else. It's just, it's just hard to fathom. I can I mean, imagine. When you, when I you can hear imagine. these stories, I can imagine. I can imagine. Now, I also I've read about what was called, I think, a green book. Oh yes. Was yeah. that something that had businesses listed here in yes. Murfreesboro yes. that said, you know, these are places where it, it's safe to do business? Right. Exactly. And and some of the businesses that are. In the Green Book are uh, still um, where you can see them. Uh, Ted's Car Wash, which was on Man Avenue, it's closed now, uh, was one of the gas stations where you could buy gas. So, yeah, every every truck driver or every family that traveled had a copy of the Green Book so they would know where it was safe to shop, as well as sundowner towns and sundowner communities towns. Yes. where you knew not to be there after the sun went down and you planned your trip so that you cleared that space before night. The information in the Green Book where it said it was a, a sundowner town, how was that information collected? I mean, was it factual? Was it somebody who had negative experiences in these towns and they wrote about it? What all went into that? Well, it was really a di an identification issue. Um, the, peop the areas that were sundowner towns were pretty obvious that it was a sundowner town. Most of it was word of mouth and then the Green Book. So, yeah, it was very definitely defined, spread word of mouth, but it was a, a valid, legitimate, and um, documented uh, definition. Again, Margaret McKinley with us this morning. And for anybody who doesn't know what a, a sundowner town is or the Green Book, tell us more about that and, and what you recall of it. Okay, now the, the Green Book primarily was for travelers. So that was for those um, families that were going back and forth from up north to down south they knew where to stop and where not to stop 
So I wasn't familiar with the Green Book as a child because we didn't do a lot of traveling, number one. And then the information in there was if you needed it. Now, all of the truck drivers and, and, and bus drivers and those kind of people, and then people who did travel on a regular basis, because a lot of families, you know, migrated to the north, but they came back home for funerals and family reunions and those kind of things. So they always had that. So persons who didn't travel like myself would not have had opportunity to um, experience that, didn't need it. Yeah, so, so wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and in the green book here, you've got Bristol listed, Chattanooga, Clarksville. Yes, it was nationwide. Uh, yeah, Lexington and, and then Murfreesboro. Yes. And in Murfreesboro, I noticed there's only one location listed, and it says uh, Tourist Homes yes, on because, East State Street. Because you couldn't stay in a hotel. At all. And so this is like um, celebrities who travel, traveling bands, traveling singers, those kinds of persons would would stay overnight like a hotel. So it would be a B&B what, in like those days. B.B. <laughs> King on tour. Yes. He had certain pl- He couldn't stay at a regular right, hotel. Right. No. Oh. Right. Right. And then in Nashville, there's, uh, you know, about four or five places mm-hmm, listed, including mm-hmm. uh, one restaurant, a barber shop mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and several hotels. Mm-hmm. But. When you look at these, these aren't hotel hotels. Right. It says YMCA. Yes. And then uh, here, I guess this is somebody's place, uh, like a a bed and breakfast, Browns on Jefferson Street. Right, right. It was very different. Right. I mean, you were- It was a separate society. It it really was. I remember going to MTSU when I went in the 60s, and I had students in my class who said that they had not ever had experience where they had other students of color in their class because it was segregated. And so that's just the way that time was, that time frame. During that time frame, for somebody who, let's say, for example, visited Murfreesboro, there was literally only one place outside of, of course, family members, only one place they could stay. Mm-hmm. Depending on the years. Now, it fluctuated. There were more, some, you know, sometimes than others. That's probably a later addition, I would imagine. I think it is. Uh-huh. There uh, were two place two other places that i know of that people could stay on the corner of severe street and university street there's a little restaurant hotel candy store called miss vicks and that was owned by victoria taylor in one corner she had the candy counter for us kids another corner she had the restaurant for people to eat and upstairs is where she rented rooms for people to stay and I had heard, because I'm not old enough to know, but people like Tina Turner and Ike Turner, they stayed at Miss Vicks. They also stayed at, um, I think it's the one on State Street, but I'm not really sure about that one. But I do know that people have said they stayed at Miss Vicks. When you look at something, you know, from years past, like the Green Book, for example, it says sadness. I, I mean, it, it's just hard for those who are living today, the majority of those today, to even imagine a time like this. But it was really a time where people were just, the door was closed on them before mm-hmm. it was even opened. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts looking back on how things were so many years ago and and how we have evolved to today well with the sundown town with comparing how some businesses wouldn't even allow persons of, of color inside their front door well i didn't experience that personally because i came i was growing up at the end of segregation but like even today there are towns that call sundown towns and most of them have signs that don't let the sun go down on you in this town that's how you know to get out 
there before the sun goes down. So when you see a sign like that today, when mm-hmm. you're traveling or, or whatever, there's more meaning behind it than than just, you know, okay, don't let the sun go down. But there, there's a lot more behind it. Right. You know that you don't want to be there. You do definitely do not want to be there. You have a feeling go through you that is terrifying. And you go, let me get out of here. I don't want to stop here for gas get food or anything just let me get through this area and i would get whatever i need on the other side miss mckinley when you were younger what what did that mean i, I mean did it mean that there was bad things that were going to happen at yes night? What, it what meant it mean? that it was unsafe to be there after after the sun went down when it was nighttime you could expect the Ku Klux Klan or lynching or any of those things for no reason just because right. you were there at that moment so you weren't you didn't stay there no. during those times. Yeah. And these were real things to yes. fear. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It sounds like some towns turned into almost a war zone at night. At night, right. It just wasn't safe. Yeah. Here in Murfreesboro, when you look around the town and some of the history, you're going to be focusing on markers, placing markers at different locations. Mm-hmm. What are some of those markers in addition to the mink slide? So we've already identified the cemetery community and put markers down there. Holloway High School, which was the high school where all African-Americans graduated from during the 60s. Mary Ellen Vaughn was a leader um, in our community, and so we marked where her residence was. The Benevolent Cemetery out on 231 is a place where African-Americans were interred, and that's uh, identified as well. And then some of the churches, we have several churches that are over, well over 100 years old, with Bethel um, Missionary Baptist Church being one, Key United Methodist Church, Cedar Grove Missionary Baptist Church, Mount Zion 224 being one. So there's markers on their grounds. And then we have identified the Evergreen Graveyard on the New National Highway, as well as put a marker up in Evergreen Cemetery on Greenland Drive where the M sections hold those slaves that were interred there. We've identified Patterson Community Center. And when we do this, we also study the persons that the, um, these places are named after and what their contributions were to the community. And then the last one we uh, erected was the courthouse slave marker. And so we had um, the support of the commissioners and the mayors to erect that where enslaved citizens were sold. Citizens were literally sold on the downtown Murfreesboro Square. Yes. How long ago would that have been? What what years? Before 1865. So because after 1865, slavery was illegal. Pre-1865, humans were literally sold on the downtown square. Yes. Yes. And that happened all over the country. It, it wasn't yes. just here. Right. That's right. But we thought it was important to denote where that uh, location was. A lot of this is so we won't forget and repeat the same mistakes that we make because it's real easy to slip back. So we got to encourage, be vigilant, educate, and make sure that we don't lose any ground. We don't want to go back to the days when individuals are not respected for their diversity. You always hear, you always have to remember history or else right. it could be repeated. Right, right. But have you ever seen any signs or read anything that said, well, this sounds really bad, like it's going in this negative direction from what I remember as a child? Yeah, well, every once in a while you'll have a flashback. You'll be in a store and, and somebody will 
break line or something and, and it, it kind of reminds you of the and you you know need to speak up if that happens because sometimes it's unintentional sometimes it's intentional but you definitely don't want that situation to recur now when you used to you know years ago when you were a child when you went into these stores and let's say you were looked at differently you know you were treated differently treated differently in line told to get at the end of the line whatever the case may be was it something that store owners or store workers and employees were they very deliberate in telling you no you can't stand here in this line you're gonna have to go over there and wait for me to get finished with these customers first yes very definitely because that was part of their um training and that's the way that they operated you know and in some stores more prominently than others you just sort of knew that that was the way it was cecil Arrods, which is no longer even in existence was one of the stores that i remember from my childhood what were the stories you heard if you did not follow those directions of the employee if you didn't listen if you didn't go to the to the correct line or in through the correct door what were the consequences well there was generally a scuffle and you were removed it wasn't yeah, anything that just so you're arrested throw mm-hmm. you out of their store mm-hmm. i'll have you arrested and what would happen with the employee or the store owner who would physically lay hands on you to pull you out of the store or push you out of the store anything well Nothing. it was their their property yeah <laughs> that was that that was that, that. was that wow mm-hmm. in downtown murphy's bro this whole area i would say 1960s probably 1970s maybe even the 80s the downtown square area was the main hub for shopping for pretty much all services needed so that being said there was also an area called the bottoms which right. was right out this back window you can see it it's south of broad street that's where Cannonsburg is and everything. But that was an area from where, what I understood, there were a lot of jobs down there, I guess kind of industrial or factory type jobs where they would load things onto trains and whatnot. Was that an area that was safe to go? And then you had other areas that may have been safe or may not have been safe? Well, that was fairly safe. It was just that it was um, a low-lying area and it, I remember it flooding a lot every time it rained the bottoms flooded out but that's where um, the locations were f- and also for residents as well as and there, there's research going on for that area right yes, now is that right yes that's right and and I'm not on that particular uh, committee group Miss Watkins is but we've had people the interesting thing about the Heritage Society it, is that we find people who know more about it than we do so the bottoms, we found families who actually lived in the bottoms. Maybe not this generation, but a prior generation who had that firsthand knowledge. So, yeah, the information that we disseminate is factual. In that area, there's a lot of development that's going to take place in the very near future. The city is putting together a, a park-like stream that they're daylighting, which is Town Creek. As they put that in, do you hope to have information, you know, the research complete to where... In the beginning, you can make sure that there's proper markers as they start this park light setting? Yes, and that's um, one of our goals. And again, we're talking with Margaret McKinley and Wilma McLean of the African American Heritage Society. You guys do a lot of research right here in Rutherford County on the history of Murfreesboro and the surrounding communities within Rutherford County. What are some of the other things that you have found? Because I know at Oakland's mansion, there's been a lot of research there going over into the cemetery at Evergreen. Uncovered were a number of, were they originally unmarked graves? 
slaves were buried there? Yeah, who worked in Manning. So they were unmarked in the beginning when you first started doing this research. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that this is a joint effort. We're not doing it by ourselves. So MTSU worked with us at the uh, cemetery with a, 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 a grave finder and a penetration machine and located the spots where um, persons were interred. These were without markers. And so we worked with Dr. Van West at MTSU, and he has graduate students that help to do the research. So it's very factual. And then the Manny, um, James Manny at the Manny Plantation has given us information that we would probably not found had it not been for him and his staff. Is some of the information that you're uncovering with the help of MTSU, mm-hmm. is it helping some of the families here locally kind of trace back their ancestry yes. a little bit better? Yes, yes, for sure. We found families in Murfreesboro whose descendants were former slaves at the plantation, and right. they've been included in our activities as well. We also work with Stones River Battlefield because there are um, residents there because that used to be a black community where the battlefield is before land was encroached on so there's information there as well so it's just a hodgepodge of information coming from all areas of other people who are interested in the history because it's just about the history i know slavery was much bigger in some areas versus others but when you were younger do you recall hearing stories about slavery because at that point i don't know if some who were involved in you know slavery if they were still alive they would have been quite old but yes did you hear those stories i did not hear those stories because my grandparents uh died when i was very young except for my grandfather and he was not the one to do a lot of talking but his mother would have been born right at the end of slavery, which I think if my research is correct, she was born by 1872. And her parents would have been the former enslaved, but they did not talk about it. Right. In fact, a lot of them wanted to forget about it, mm-hmm. but you can't forget about it because it's part of history. Right. right. You know, you hear people today talk about traumatic events they've experienced throughout their life or mm-hmm. something that caused trauma in their life, maybe even as bad as witnessing a murder. But I don't know that today's times would be, I don't know that psychologists today would be prepared for the level of trauma somebody who was coming out of slavery would need help with. I I mean, that level of trauma has got to be just crazy because they would have experienced that trauma all throughout their life. It wouldn't be just a one-time period or, you know, a one-year period even. It would be a lifetime. Right. That's right. And then my parents... My grandparents were not enslaved, but my grandparents' parents would have been. But like Wilma said, it's not anything that they talked about. You would just really have to pull out information. But there are, you know, oral histories passed down, but not a lot of information. Correct. What is the next step for the African American Heritage Society? Is it putting together a location for another monument or memorial? What What's the next thing that's going to happen? Our next monument would be the Black Business District. But not only are we going to identify the Black Business District off the square, we're going to identify the Black Business in Rutherford County, period. Because there are some places, there, uh, the one store that was, I think it was a candy store, that was located behind Patterson, owned by Mr. Rucker. 
I'm not exactly sure because I don't remember it, but some of the others remember that store. But places like that, um, University Street, they had, um, they call it the Inn, and would have some black businesses there. Like my uncle owned a restaurant candy store. Of course, Miss Vicks, she owned the restaurant candy store hotel and a few other places in the area that I cannot think of at the moment. But we are going to record all of that. And again, where was one of the main areas, one of the main black business districts here in Rutherford County? What was one of the main areas? That would have been the uh, Mink Slide. Mink so that'd be in the area of what, Vine and close to Maple Street, that direction? I think it is Maple Street that comes off the square where the barber school is located. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so right right around Vine and Maple. Mm-hmm. Those businesses that were once there, were, were they all black owned? Yes. They were, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was totally black. What, what were the different types of businesses? Barbershop was The barbershop, Trey Malone's Barbershop was on the corner where uh, Dr. Hackney has his uh, office on that side. Okay, uh, and then you had the Scales Funeral home, home. And a pool the, hall. You had the dentist's office. And a restaurant. The doctor's office, the mm-hmm. regular doctor's mm-hmm. office. It was a lot, because mm-hmm. right in this area was Miss Juanita. She owned a beauty shop. Cartwell, Juanita Cartwell, she owned a beauty shop, and I can't remember what was all around her, but it was all close to this area. Really surprising when you talk about the years where certain people were not allowed in this business, or you had to use a different door, stand in a different line, use a different bathroom. We're not talking about that far back in history. No. I mean, this no. went on all the way up until what year, you think? 60 something? It was 60 something. Mm-hmm. It might have even been the early 70s that uh, some people, just certain areas had black businesses. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say they had to enter into people's back doors, but I know in the 60s, my mother had to go through the back door. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of this is fairly recent history. Yes, it is. In a lot of ways. Uh And and there's some stores now that I'm real hesitant to go into because I have those flashbacks. (laughs) Are there crimes that occurred when you were a kid that, that you can still remember and you know they were never solved or the police at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. never fully investigated the right. crime. Exactly. There, there's a whole plethora of those kinds of things. But nationally, I mean, what we're doing locally is a national movement as well, not organized per se, but all of the uh, communities are now delving into the history and part of the history, unfortunately, brings up the lynchings that happened right. during that time. So there's there's movements uh, to identify those uh, locations. And unfortunately, there's some in Murfreesboro, Ralph County, rather. Mm-hmm. I think we've got three. How so far just, back crimes like, like a lynching, how, how far back did that occur? I mean, is that also in the 60s? No. There was this one man. He lived out on Elam Road here in Murfreesboro. And it was put down as he committed suicide. But I don't think he committed suicide. It's just my feeling. I don't have any evidence. But I do believe that he was lynched by someone else. But these mm-hmm. are the kinds of occurrences that are being investigated now. Mm-hmm. So that a light will be, be shed on those occurrences. If one of those is investigated and it turns out maybe some guy who's 95 years old today had something to do with that, had a hand in that crime, is there a chance they will be prosecuted? I think so. I, think I mean, so. if they're not a prosecuted, they have to live with it and then they have to die with it. And then I think they will be punished one way or the other. 
And there's investigations like this going on elsewhere, not yes. just here. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Were there also issues that you remember in places like Smyrna and Laverne? Because really, we, we've only focused on Murfreesboro, mm -hmm. but were there problems there too? I'm sure there were. I'm but, sure. But we were not as mobile then as we are now. So pretty much because of economics, you were in your area. Not, not a lot of visiting going on. No. We got to take a short break and then we'll come right back. And again, with us this morning, Margaret McKinley and then also Wilma McLean and uh, both of the African-American Heritage Society. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Right now, the time, 849. You're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We offer a good assortment of everything. We have new guitars, Gill, Seagull, Godin, lots of brands, vintage guitars. We have everything you need, keyboards, drums, and every instrument you can think of. We would welcome you to come in and look around, see what you can find that you have to have. The Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. When the weather's at its worst, we're at our best. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, TV 11. We'll see sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-70s. Southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. Tonight's slight chance for rain late, cloudy low 59. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 56. In a world where some saw only an open field, Middle Point Landfill saw an opportunity for dreams to flourish. You see, in 2019, Middle Point made a $125,000 investment into the Oakland High School football field, which was an investment into tomorrow's leadership. The turf that Middle Point helped to lay at Oakland helped pave the way for some students to become standout players at schools like UT and MTSU, and one became a coach at LSU just last year. We're Middle Point Landfill, and we're proud to support the dreams of our youth. Good morning. People are still staring at this wreck as they drive by on 24 westbound at 440. That's why traffic's extra slow coming in through the Antioch area on 24 westbound. Trying to get past this crash here at 440. It was already starting to get busy anyway. Traffic's already crowded on Vietnam. That's westbound at Conference Drive. Hey, 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services right here in Middle Tennessee. Check out TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
And today, our guest in studio, Margaret McKinley and Wilma McLean. And we're talking about the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County. Well, you know, during that break, I heard that commercial for a bank, and I'm curious, how did folks go about getting mortgages back then? If you were black, could you just walk into a regular bank here in town and apply for a mortgage and be successful at that? <laughs> Pretty much, no. Some of the businessmen would have to kind of support your application to get that. It wasn't a walk-in off the street kind of thing, no. It was harder to get housing then. Yes, much for sure, harder. For sure, for sure. And a lot of the housing then was passed down. Like my family owned the farm, so it was easier to convert that into moving into Murfreesboro. And then when it came to school, mm-hmm. there was only, what, one school that you could attend? Yes, we went to Bradley Academy Elementary, the museum now, and then the high school was Holloway on Highland. But the original school is that field between Holloway High now, the alternative school, and the gym, Holloway Gym. That's where our school was built, and it's no longer there. But education has always been premium in our community as a way to help our community do better. And so we researched the Rosenwald School. So the point of being is that uh, some of the accomplishments of African Americans were supported by uh, white Americans as well. So the Rosenwald School was a gentleman named Julius Rosenwald who helped to fund elementary schools after slavery so the students could be educated. We did a book on Rosenwald schools and, and listed some of the ones that are still standing. And, of course, Holloway High School was one of those Rosenwald schools. And there are several, Beach Grove, Dillard, Lawrence Chapel, Christiana, and several others. And then the Mr. Julian, Julius Rosenwald. Uh, we also went through and selected some people that we'd heard of but didn't know a lot about. And we selected 12 of those and kind of researched their history and how they um, helped to build Murfreesboro and the state. There were representatives, there was authors. We did the Green Book Holland House and it's on East State Street, 439 East State Street. And that building is still standing. If you want additional information about the African American Heritage Society, we have a website, which is aahsofrc.org. And the reason there's so many letters to it is because different counties now have African American Heritage Society. So we'll make sure you get to the one for Rutherford County. Or you might have to go back and Google it if I went a little fast. But it's the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County website. And we also have a Facebook page where you can go and get additional information because we can't cover everything this morning. We also have done researches in family and community cemeteries because that is where you get a lot of the history of the families who live there, who made an impact. So that's one of the research projects, and Wilma is over that. And they have found some cemeteries with some very interesting history. They found cemeteries where they have white interred on one side and African Americans on the other and so on and so forth. Also, if you have obituaries that you don't mind donating to our society, we'll be glad to take them. You can contact us through our Facebook page, and we will get back with you. I don't know if I should get my home phone number out on a line <laughs> like this, but we are using those obituaries to put them in a booklet, 
and anybody who wants to research, you know, years down the road, they'll be able to go to our booklet and find their uh, family member and then read their obituary. And then they can find other family members from there. But we'll be glad to take any obituaries that dealt with African-American Rutherford County. And I also want to say that we are self-sustaining. We have to use fundraisers by our calendars. And we used to have a black tie fair where you can get together and socialize. And we use that money to continue our endeavor to put up monuments. We have not had to go to government grants yet. We're hoping to get one, but we would love for people to support us in any way they can. And we're also a 501c3 organization. We only have about one minute left, but if anybody listening has some things they remember and they have documents as well that maybe you guys don't know about yet, but it involves Rutherford County in some way, should they get a hold of you to, to tell you whatever that story may be that they have the documents with? Yes. yes. And I'm sure there are still lots of stories involving history that we don't know about yet that hasn't been told. Yes, for sure. And we are very interested to get that information. I would like to also invite you on May the 18th, we're going to have a showing of the monuments and what we have done at First Baptist Church from 2 to 5. We would like to invite you to come out and watch this documentary. Which First Baptist? First Baptist on, on Castle, Castle. Castle. And again, the date for that one? May the 18th. May 18th. At from two. 2 to 5. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us.